Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Man, I am very excited today because we have a very special guest. We have my pastor. I believe that every pastor needs a pastor. And my pastor is going to be joining us today. His name is Pastor Ron. He is uh, one of our overseers. He's a mentor. Mentors my wife and I. He's also a friend. And something that I want to share about Pastor Ron is I don't know that I've ever met anyone in all of Colorado, really the U.S., that has a heart for church planters more than Pastor Ron. Scripture says to give double honor towards our elders and those who oversee, especially at the gift of teaching. So would you please give it up for Pastor Ron in the house today? Oh, man, that was so nice. You guys take a seat. What an honor to be with you guys today. Uh, as Parker said, we are, we're a church planting church at Restoration. And if you're ever in Denver on a Sunday, we'd, we'd love to see you. We've got three services, uh, two in the morning, one in the evening. But, man, we, we've helped start 46 churches. There's something unique about this particular church, though. Uh, we, we feel like you guys are a family. And uh, when I get here, I feel like I'm, I'm almost like at my, my home church. So it's just such a joy to be with you guys today. And uh, my wife and I, we drove in today, and there's something happening in Boulder, is there not? There is something in the air here, and it's not just football season and great, really cool sunglasses, which by the I want a pair of those glasses, by the way. I heard they're sold out. We've got to wait now. 67 bucks. My wife was looking online yesterday. But I'm going to get a pair of those. But seriously, there's something happening here. Uh, Coach Prime is making it cool to follow Jesus, I think, in Boulder. And that's not been true for a long time. So, man, there's, there's a spirit in the air that's so different. I'm excited to see what happens in Boulder and in Pinewood in the weeks and months to come. Amen? Amen. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I want to begin with a question today. And my question is this, how much of God do you really want? How much God do you really want in your life? Isn't that an important question? Let me me ask it a different way. How much do you want to hear the voice of God? We all have some static in our lives when it comes to being able to hear the voice of God, but how much do you really want to hear His voice? Because to the degree you want to hear the voice of God, that is the degree to which you want to know and experience the living God. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Is that an amazing promise? Such a cool promise and such a, a daunting possibility. We can know as much of God as we want to. How much of God do you really want in your life? So a little bit about me. If you're here for the first time, or or you're experiencing me for the first time, uh, I've got five kids. I'm not very smart. I I miss, I guess, some classes or something in school. But I I got five kids. I got three older kids. They're on their 20s. I got two grandkids. I got one grandkid on the way. Uh, I remarried eight years ago. I got two little kids, five and four. I got little tiny kids, okay? And so I'm back in the hide-and-seek era of parenting. How many parents do we have here today? I'm just curious. Good. Are you in that era, the hide-and-seek? Okay. So here's the deal. I'm not very good at it. I'm really easy to be found. Now, I could be good at it. I could become like a professional hide-and-seek father. I could, I could say, hey, kids, go in your rooms and count to like 20, and I could get the keys to my, my Land Cruiser, drive away, 
and never come back, right? You know, I, dude, I like you already. Um, you know, like, I could, 40 years from now, my kids could be like a birthday party or something. And they'd be like, remember that time we played hide and seek with dad? Like, we never found him. Like, he's really good at hide and seek. But I'm not that kind of dad. I, I, I like to be found. So my kids count to like 10. And then I'll go around a, a shower curtain or just around the, like the door. I kind of close the door a little bit. And within like, you know, five seconds after they finish counting to 10, they find me because I want to be found. The, the joy of them finding me is surpassed by the joy I have in being found. Because as a father, as soon as they find me, I swoop them up and, you know, we kiss, we hug, and we laugh together. Then we just do the whole thing again. It's a lot of fun to find your dad. It's a lot of fun to be a dad and be found. I would argue that we have a heavenly father. We have a God that wants us to find him. He hides just enough so that if we don't want to find him, we don't have to. But if we want to find him, he is easily found. All of us get as much of God as we want. Now, wouldn't it be a travesty if my my kids counted to 10 and they looked for me for like five seconds and then gave up to go watch Sonic. My kids watch Sonic. Wouldn't that be awful? You know, I'm stuck behind a shower curtain for years. That'd be terrible. And yet that's exactly what people do to God. He wants to be found, but so many of us, we don't search for him with all of our hearts. I want to talk today about searching for God with all of our hearts and learning to listen to his voice. Now, uh, Restoration started a new series last week on the Gospel of John, and uh, we've been hanging out with Parker and Jess because we are like family. This is not just a normal church plant that we've given some money to over the years. Uh, we really want to do life with you guys more and more, and so we decided uh, recently we're going to go through the Gospel of John together. We did decide that, right? Just checking again. Okay. So we have a teaching team meeting on Tuesdays at 9 o'clock, and they're, they're in that phone call. It's a lot of fun, and we got a bunch of teachers, and we all try to get better together and talk about the future and stuff, evaluate things. Uh, it's, you, you put on your Kevlar vest when you come to a teaching team meeting. Uh, but we decide we're going to do the Gospel of John together. And so I'm going to kick this series off. We're going to do a chapter a week, and we're going to be one, one chapter ahead of you guys. So it'll be like one week ahead of you. And uh, we can't cover everything in every chapter. We're gonna, each of us will... As teachers cover the parts that we feel led to cover. So we encourage you as, as followers of Jesus and those who are exploring faith to, uh, to read the Gospel of John. It is, it is an amazing, amazing gospel. It's my favorite gospel. I'm, I'm going to just tell you a few facts about, about the Gospel of John. I, I cut out a bunch of this stuff. I can nerd out. I can spend the whole hour with you, and I promise I won't preach an hour, just talking about the background to John. But let's just answer a couple of questions. First of all, who wrote the Gospel of John? Anybody want to take a guess? You guys, yes, you got the answer right. At Restoration, they, they, they got the They're like, is it, I don't know, man. Steve, who is it? I expected you guys to get the answer. We're, we're in Boulder. There's a university here, so I'm told. So anyway, way to go. Yes, yes. John, the Apostle John, one of the 12 disciples, he probably started following Jesus around the age of 18 or 19. He was called a son of thunder, had a bad temper problem. Okay, He and his brother had a bad temper problem. They tried to you know, asked Jesus to, like, nuke a city one time. Jesus said, no, we don't do it that way. Anyway, young guy, temper problem. He was a fisherman, which means he lied a lot. <laughs> do, you, do you know how, you know how you can tell if a fisherman's lying? 
If a fisherman is moving his or her lips, they're lying. Oh, I caught Moby freaking dick. It was like this long. It was like a little minnow like that, you know. So he's a liar. So a little background on John. Um, also, he, he wrote this gospel kind of late. Like most scholars believe 90 A.D. You could argue as early as 50-something A.D., but most scholars, conservative and more liberal scholars, tend to agree around 90 A.D. Uh, the reason for that is he lived quite a while. The other uh, 11 out of 12 apostles died for what they believed and what they preached, which is one of the reasons to trust it. People will die for a life. They think it's the truth. They won't die for a life. They know it's a lie. These are, all, 11 guys died for preaching the gospel, but, but Jesus said, hey, I'm going to let this guy live a long life. And so he had more time to reflect on the person of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. And so the gospel of John is just so rich. The other gospels are awesome. They're called synoptic gospels. Synoptic means similar. So they have very similar parables and content. About a third of each gospel is given to the passion of Jesus, the last days of his life. Um, John's very different. We have stories, no parables, lots of stories, lots of I am statements. He's, he's big on the number seven. But it's, it's rich and it's deep because he had more time to think about it. Like, like John is deep because he had so much time to reflect on who Jesus was. So I'm super pumped uh, to be here today to be doing this series and to be doing this series with Parker and with Jess. And so why don't we just jump right in? You guys ready? Okay, here we go. Um, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So verse 1, in the beginning. Have we heard that any other place in the Bible? Yeah, Genesis 1-1, the very beginning of the Bible, in the beginning. So that's a literary mechanism that John is using. Now, the first creation story, Genesis 1, was about the creation of all things out of nothing, ex nihilo. This story, the story of Jesus, is about the recreation of all things. Jesus came to restore everything that's been broken by sin in our world. That's kind of cool, isn't it? And then he uses the word logos. For word, whenever you see a word capitalized, like that's a transliteration of the word logos. So logos has a, a rich tradition going back to Heraclitus and, and Aristotle and a guy named Philo, who was a, a theologian and a philosopher. He was Jewish, and we won't geek out on that kind of stuff right now. But to think about what a word does, a word signifies something else. Uh, when you use words, it tells me what's inside your mind and what's inside your heart. The Logos came to show us what's inside the mind and the heart of the living God. And John says the Logos, the Word, was with God and he was God. He's using the Word as being synonymous with God. And he's telling us that everything, everything was created through him. So he's telling us a lot about the Logos. He's going to reveal to us here in a few moments exactly who the Logos is. And then he shifts images here. He, he goes from logos to light. Again, he, he's in Genesis chapter 1, his mind, the creation story. In, in verses 2 through 3, after the beginning, it says the world was full of darkness and the light came into the darkness. It penetrated the darkness. And so John's saying that the logos came into the world to penetrate the darkness once again. The darkness, the spiritual darkness in our world caused by, by sin. Are any of you in a dark place today? In a room this size with this many people, some of you are in some darkness right now. You're in some spiritual darkness. You're in some relational darkness, some financial darkness. 
and, and you need to be reminded or told perhaps for the first time, the darkness will not overcome the light if you will let the light in. God wants to step into your darkness and bring restoration and salvation. At least one of you needed to hear that today. All right, let's continue. Um, John chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, some of you are going to like really need to hear this because I'm going to give you a chance to follow Jesus later in the service if you're not currently following him. If you haven't yet surrendered your life to him, we're going to have that opportunity here in a few minutes. You need to hear this. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word, logos, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So John is saying the light has come into the world. Some people chose it and some people rejected it. Um, the rest of John 1 is the story of some of the apostles and how they chose the light, how they responded to the light and became sons of the living God. Again, God's not very good at playing hide and seek. He's revealed himself in the Logos. Who is the Logos? Verse 14, the big reveal. He says, the word became flesh. He's telling us the Logos, the mind of God, the wisdom of God, the will of God, the purpose of God, the goodness of God has been revealed in Jesus Christ. You want to know what, what God looks like? Look at Jesus. Jesus put flesh on God so we can know in the most personal, intimate way possible what God is like. But we can choose him or we can reject him. And then he switches from the first book of the Torah, Genesis, to the second book, Exodus, and he talks about he dwelled among us. And so in Greek, the word there for dwell is tabernacle. What happened to the tabernacle? One person could go in the tabernacle, the high priest, and meet with God. The tabernacle was where people could meet with God, but the only person who could go in there was the high priest. And now, because of Jesus, having tabernacled among us, every single one of us, any human being who wants to know the living God, can meet with God in Jesus. Jesus is God drawing near to us so we can have intimate, personal meetings with God, moment by moment in our everyday lives. Is that cool or what? I mean, it's some cool stuff, guys, isn't it? I know we're still waking up. I know you stayed up late last night, but come on, that's good stuff. All right, all right let's get back to the question. How can we, given all this stuff, the kind of heady stuff, how can we hear from God? Okay, I'm going to break it down a little further, and then we're going to get super practical on how we can learn to listen to God, those of us who want more of him. So back to the idea of the Logos, just for a moment or, or two. Um, the Logos, as we just learned, is Jesus. Jesus is how God has communicated about his nature and his will in the most personal way possible. Jesus is God. That's going to be a point that John's going to drill into us over and over and over again, that Jesus is God. But, but the Logos in the Bible, it's not just Jesus, it's the words of Jesus. It's the teachings of Jesus. So when you see the word, it can be be a reference to Jesus, or it can be a reference to the teachings of Jesus that we have in, in our Bible. And so in Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas, uh, they're preaching in Presidian Antioch, and it says in Acts 13, 49, the word, logos, of the Lord spread through the whole region. 
The teaching of Jesus is the Logos of God, and the person of Jesus is the Logos of God. You guys tracking with me? You're smart. You live in Boulder. I know you're tracking with me. All right. So, so God speaks to us through Jesus, and he speaks to us through Jesus' words, his teachings that we have in the, the New Testament in particular, but also the Old Testament. So that's one of the ways that God speaks to us. I'm going to throw another concept at you, though. God also speaks to us through the rhema of God. The rhema of God. And so it says in Romans 10, 17, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word, rhema, of Christ. If you're new to the New Testament, it's written in Greek originally. And obviously we have English translations and different languages have been translated. When you see the word in the New Testament, see the logos or it's rhema. So the logos means Jesus or the logos can be like little black letters on white pages on your phone or on a, on a, in a Bible, right? But the word can also be a spoken word, a rhema. When God speaks to our heart through the scriptures or through his spirit or through other people, you have those moments like, ah, I think that's God speaking to me. That's called a rhema. It's the Spirit speaking to us. Um, I have never heard the voice of God audibly. I've got friends at Restoration who've actually heard God speak audibly. Never had that experience? Hope it happens someday. That'd be kind of cool, okay? But I've had many, many rhema moments with God. I would say I have several a day where God speaks to my heart. How do I know it? it's God's voice? In Romans 10, 17, it says, when God gives us a rhema, a spoken word, when we hear him speak through the, the ears of our hearts, there's faith. It's like, ah, oh, that's God. That's God talking to me right now. There's, it's always accompanied by, by faith and by peace. So uh, this happened to me uh, recently. I came home. Uh, we're in a rental house. We're, we're uh, building a house right now. And so I, I came home in the afternoon, kind of tired. I, I just sat in my chair for a little bit there at the, the kitchen table. And uh, as I often will do, I'll just pause and kind of reconnect with God. And I just asked God, what do you mean to do right now? And I was hoping he'd tell me to do something like important, like finish your emails, you know, or, or work on a message or whatever. But he didn't say that. He said, go do the dishes. There was a stack of dishes. Go do the dishes. And I was like, are you sure? There's got to be something more important that I could be doing than washing dishes right now. I'm, God, God, I'm kind of an important, I'm, I'm an important guy, right? Like dishes, seriously? Can't we have the elves do that? And I asked again, what do you mean to do? I want you to do the dishes, okay? How did I know that was the voice of God? For one, I never would have told myself to do that. No way, no way, okay? Also, there was a sense of faith, like, ah, I need to do that. My kids are coming home, my wife's coming home, she's had a really busy day, I need to do the dishes. Ephesians 5.25 says, where husbands are laid down their, their lives for their wives. And so the Logos of God was in alignment with this rhema moment, this spirit speaking to me moment, and I went and I did the dishes. My wife loves it when God speaks to me. <laughs> she loves it. The more I dial in, the better things go for her and for our marriage, okay? All right. <clears throat> One more point I want to make about the rhema is that the rhema of God makes the Logos of God come alive. So if you've been following Jesus, there's times you're reading the Bible, and it's like, I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm just, it's just dry. Like, nothing's hitting me today. And then all of a sudden, you'll, you'll come to a verse, and all of a sudden, like, whoa, what's going on there? You, you feel drawn in, and you go, i got to think about that. And then God begins to speak to you through that verse or that story or even that word. Right? So often, I'll be in the Bible, and we do this. You're going to find out about me. I have a lot of acronyms. At Restoration, we have more acronyms than the Navy SEALs. 
okay? We've got an acronym for everything because we like to give people tools that they can use to, to self-feed and they can pass those tools on to people they're discipling so we can multiply disciples. Uh, one of the tools we use is called SOAPS. I'm going to give you another acronym later. Uh, SOAP stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer, Share. And so every morning I will read, like I did this morning, Acts 16, I will read until I, I see something in the text that I sense God's trying to get my attention through. And that's when the, the Bible is uh, living and active, it says. Those moments when it becomes living and active inside of us, those are rhema moments. Moments when the Logos of God becomes a rhema moment and God is speaking to us. Uh, there was a, a theologian in the last century named Karl Barth, a very famous theologian, and he, he called these moments when the Logos becomes a rhema divine encounters. Is it cool or what that God wants us to get into the Bible, read it until we have a divine encounter and we experience the living God and know him? Isn't that cool that he wants to do that with us? Yeah. Okay, so we, we've been nerding out here a little bit. I thought, I'm coming to Boulder. i got to be academic today, okay? Logos, Raymond, I'm throwing some of the best stuff i got at you right now, okay? Because I know you guys are like super, super smart. I can't do this in Denver. They're not as smart as you guys. So, okay, this little review here, okay? The Word is Jesus. The Logos is Jesus. The, the teachings of Jesus, that's also the Logos. But then when God speaks to us through the Spirit, through people, through the Word, or through circumstances, that's the reign of God. Now, let's take all that, and let's, let's dial in a little more, and ask the question, okay, given that as our backdrop, how can we hear God speak to us, let's say Wednesday afternoon this week at three o'clock? Because the degree to which we want to know God, that is the degree to which we will listen for the voice of God and respond to it in faith and obedience, all right? So I'm going to give you another acronym here in a moment called SWAP, SWAP. But the basic idea, the, 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 this is like the key idea today, for us to hear the voice of God, we have to swap out our voice, our flesh, our will for the voice of God, for the Spirit of God, and for the will of God. We have to do a swap. Our voice for His voice. We have to stop listening to ourselves for a few moments and then dial in and listen to His voice. Okay? Have you ever swapped something and you traded it up? I'm inviting you to trade up today, to trade up your voice for the voice of the living God. Now, my wife is here today. Honey, can you raise your hand? Okay, that's my wife, everybody. Give it up for my wife. That is a, she is a woman of faith. She married me, okay? All right? So when we were first, uh, we, we, uh, we went out like a couple of times just to kind of get to know each other a little bit. And then on Valentine's Day, I was like, man, this is kind of early, but should I give her a Valentine's card? And I asked my assistant, should I give my, this girl, this woman, I'm starting to date a little bit, a Valentine's card. She goes, you're overthinking this. You're such an idiot. Buy our Valentine's card. So I, I gave her some flowers and a Valentine's card. I just wanted her to know someone was thinking about her on Valentine's Day. We're not serious. We're hardly even dating. But then she showed up that night. We used to have Saturday evening services. I was like, oh my gosh, this is getting serious. She's actually here. She's going to hear me preach. And that evening I had on a pair of uh, black cowboy boots. I'm from Kansas. I had on black cowboy boots, black pants, and some kind of like gingham, sort of flannelly looking shirt that was too baggy. It was not a great outfit. And then a few months later, she said, you know, hey, you're great, but your clothes need a serious upgrade. And she said that, that outfit that you wore, like when I came on Valentine's Day, that was awful. Please never wear that again. Never wear that again. 
And I, I don't know how women get away with this, but she went in my closet. We've only been going out like for 12 weeks or something. Goes in my closet and she starts throwing away stuff. Like there's piles of, I'm not, I'm not exact, piles of clothing being put into plastic bags to go to Goodwill. Like 60% of my clothes were just gone like the next day. And then she started making me like go to Lululemon and Vuri and these other places. And she, I don't even, I can't, I'm not allowed to even like dress myself anymore. Okay. But looking back on it, I treated up when it came to clothing. In fact, last week I, I shared this at Restoration. I kid you not, people started clapping. People who knew me eight years ago, they started clapping, thanking Carissa for changing my clothing and becoming my stylist. So the world's a better place. I'd be wearing Carhartts today in a baggy Fruit of the Loom t-shirt or something with like, I don't know, Tabasco sauce on it, you know, if it wasn't for her. Some of you need to trade up today. You need to swap out your voice, your will, your flesh for the voice of God, the will of God, and the Spirit of God. And I want to talk to you about how to do that right now, okay? So again, acronym. Uh, SWAP is an acronym, and it stands for Surrender, Wait, uh, Avoid Sin, and Promptings. Follow the promptings of the Spirit. I'm going to walk through this acronym one letter at a time, explain it to you, and then we're going to practice SWAP here in a little bit. Okay? I'm going to give you an opportunity to swap out your voice for the voice of God and listen before we uh, sing our last worship song today. So here we go. Surrender. This is the hardest part of hearing the voice of God is we have to surrender. Um, Curtis Sargent is the uh, OG of the modern disciple-making movements going on in the world. He, he led the first modern movement back in 1991. He's become a friend. He, he trains me and uh, people on our staff. We have a movement going on in Denver that's incredible. I'm out of restoration. We've seen 2,000 baptisms in our city this year through our movement. Is that cool or what? Uh, most of those were among immigrants and refugees from Nepal and India and Pakistan. It's the coolest stuff. The stories are unbelievable. And, and we've had people moving to the other places. We, uh, I sent Jay Tinder, who's one of my, kind of my co-laborers. We were talking this morning on the way here. Sent him to, uh, where was it? North Dakota a few weeks ago. Yeah. You know what cold weather is. Okay. Norfolk. North Dakota, I guess it's a place. There's thousands of Nepalis. They've baptized a thousand Nepalis in the last six years. Really cool. So God's doing something really cool. I just want to encourage you. God is on the move in the front range. Uh, but Curtis trained us, and he told us one time, he says, we can't do our will and God's will at the same time. For us to hear the voice of God and hear him speak to us, we have to surrender our will for his will. He will speak to us if we're willing to surrender and listen. How many of you have a friend that has a problem right now, but you won't say anything to them because you know they won't listen? Raise your hands. Okay. About a third of you. I got like five friends like that. I'll share some of my friends with you. Okay. I mean, it's annoying because you know you could help them, but they're not going to listen. Like they're making egregious decisions. They're dating somebody and in your head, you're, you're playing the movie forward. You're like, this is not going to end with a happy ending, okay? Or, or they're drinking too much, or they're wrestling with some gender issues that are really going to mess their lives up, or they're addicted to something, or they're just choosing to be you know, prideful and stay spiritually lost. you got friends like that. I know you do. And, and hopefully you're, you're not avoiding speaking to them because of lack of courage. 
If you love people and you know they might change, you need to have the courage to speak to them. But chances are you're not speaking to them because you know they will not listen. You'd be wasting your time, casting your pearls before swine, Jesus called it. God is the same way. If we're not hearing from God, there could be a number of reasons. But I think the number one reason is because we're not willing to do what he says. So why should he waste his time speaking to us? The sin qua non of hearing the voice of God is surrendering our will to do his will. And his will is always better for our lives than our will. We have such a hard time believing that. Belief is a theme throughout the Gospel of John. Do we really believe that the God who became flesh in Jesus Christ and went to the cross to die for our sins, who loved us that much, knows what's best for us? So we have to surrender. Now, the W stands for wait on God in prayer. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, Jesus says to his apostles, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father's promise, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. A little background here. Uh, Jesus has died, risen from the dead. It says for 40 days he appeared to the, uh, the apostles. He appeared to over 500 people, it says in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul's like, you want to meet people who saw the risen Christ? I got their email addresses. I'll introduce you to them, okay? So a lot of people saw the risen Christ. That's why Christianity exploded so, so rapidly. So at one point in time, Jesus meets up with the apostles and he goes, okay, now I want you to go. I'm getting ready to take, go back to be with the Father. I'm going to wait in Jerusalem for the, the gift. What's the gift? The gift is the Holy Spirit. Wait for the gift to come upon you. Why did he make them wait? We don't, we don't know for sure. He doesn't tell us why. But what happens when we wait? When we wait, we can quiet the voice inside of us. Psalm 4610 says, be still and know that I am God. For us to hear the voice of God, we have to slow down and get quiet and wait and wait. And when we're waiting, we're working. Waiting's passive, but we're working while we're waiting. We're, we're working on the insides of us. Motives are being exposed. Surrender is, is happening. We, we are being made pure. We are getting ourselves in a discerning listening posture so that when God speaks, we can hear him. All right. S is surrender. W is waiting. The A stands for avoid sin. Avoid sin. Psalm 66, verses 18 through 19, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened, but God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Uh, king David wrote this, this psalm. Uh, David was an amazing person, uh, phenomenal king, incredible military leader, one of the greatest kings and military leaders in history, uh, incredible musician, I mean, so gifted. And, and he had a heart for God. He was a man who had a heart for God. But man, when he sinned, whew, he did it right. I mean, he, he sinned boldly and he sinned big when he did sin, okay? Adultery, murder. Uh, now he's a great father, took a census, trusted his metrics over the, the power of God. I mean, all kinds of sin. So he knew a lot about sin and its consequences. What he is saying to us here is that sin shuts off our ability to hear God. And it shuts off God's desire to speak to us. It's like we're driving up to go to Vail or Aspen or wherever you ski, and you're on a phone call, 
and you go through the Eisenhower Tunnel, and also what happens about halfway to the tunnel? You can't hear a thing. That is exactly what sin does to us. It shuts off our ability to hear the voice of God, and it shuts off God's desire to speak to us. Right? So we got to practice confession. We have to practice repentance, turning from our sin, turning to God, being honest about our sin, and even our temptation to sin, and, and stepping into the will of God. And the P stands for promptings. John 10, 27. Uh, man, I hope I get to preach this chapter. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Jesus is saying, for people who follow him, it is normative to be able to hear the voice of God. This is not for, like, Christian superstars, like Parker and Jess, okay? This is for, like, everyday, normal disciples of Jesus. This is normative. Jesus expects Everyone who follows him, if you're a brand new Christian, you just started following Jesus, he expects us to be able to hear his voice and have a conversational relationship with the living God. Okay. I've got a friend uh, named Ernest Alexander, and uh, we've lost touch over the years. But uh, when I was a new disciple, I was in college. I went to Wichita State University, not near as cool as CU, by the way. Um, he was in my life, and he's a 330-pound African-American dude, man. And he, he used to have a record label, a classically singing vocalist, just an amazing human being. One, one time, this is, has nothing to do with the message, but I like telling the story. We were at Red Rocks, me and Ernest, and uh, we used to have some different Denver Broncos come to my last church. One of them was named Tim Tebow. Um, but this guy was a, 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 a tight end named Russ. And Russ and I were running bleachers back when I could do that kind of thing. Now I can't even walk the bleachers at Red Rocks, but he used to run with Russ. Ernest got on the stage kind of like this, and he started singing the Star Spangled Banner so loud, people in the parking lot came in and started cheering. <laughs> and I used to ask Ernest, how is it you've learned to hear the voice of God? Because he was always telling me stories about how God spoke to him. And he said, oh, child, when you're older and you're 330 pounds and you're talking to a little skinny white guy, you can say, oh, child. He said, oh, child. He goes, I've had egg on my face so many times. He said, so many times I've missed the voice of God. But over time, I've become better and better. And I used to sit at his feet, and I'd borrow faith from him. And I started stepping out and trying to hear the promptings of God. And I'm way better at it than I was 40 years ago when I was in college. And I'm way better than I was 20 years ago. Every day, I'm getting a little bit better. But it takes practice. It takes practice. In just a moment, we're going to practice. The fact that God wants to have this kind of relationship with us is incredible, isn't it? God wants us to find him. He wants us to be able to hear his voice. To the degree we are willing to listen to God and respond to his voice, that is the degree to which we really want God. Let me end with a story. Uh, my, my wife and I, as, as I mentioned, we started dating, gosh, Eight years ago, we've been married seven years. And uh, we dated for maybe four or five months. And we came to a crossroads in our relationship. Uh, I had three, these three older kids, two daughters. I was a single dad of two teenage daughters. Love my daughters, but I could see the finish line and couldn't wait to get there. If you ever have teenage daughters, you'll know what I'm talking about, okay? And uh, I was almost done. Like the race was almost finished. You never stop being a parent, but you know, that stage was almost done. And she had never been married and she'd never had kids. 
And she said, I don't think I can keep dating you because we're, you know, we're getting serious. If you don't want to have kids, didn't want to put pressure on me. She said, hey, can we just time out and, and listen for God's voice in this topic? And uh, I drove away that evening really sad because I had taken the key to that vault and thrown it away. Like, no way am I having kids again. And uh, so I just began to pray. God, I don't want to be stubborn. And I, I do want to be surrendered. Do you want me to have kids again? And the next day, I, I was praying and fasting and seeking. I called my, call my shrink the night before. I go, hey, 6 a.m., your office. I've seen you for 20 years. I put all your kids through college. I paid for all their tuition. You owe me. 6 a.m., your office. Get the coffee ready. And he and I were talking. And he said to me, he said, you're crazy if you lose this woman over this issue. You are young for your age, which I took to mean immature for your age. And you love kids. You should totally be open to having kids. That was exactly what he said. And then all day long, in between meetings, I'm calling. I'm calling people going, uh, my sisters, hey, what do you think? They would say, you know, you're kind of young for your age. Again, meaning very immature for your age. And you love kids. You should totally be open to having kids. I call my friends. I called, like, I call my wise kings, like wise men in my life. I call my elders in my church. I call, call, call in between meetings all day long. Everyone said exactly, almost verbatim, the exact same thing. I, I found out later there was a woman praying and fasting that's a friend of Chris's on her knees in Houston, Texas, praying all day long, God, make him open. God, make him open. This is all her fault. <laughs> and then I, I call Chris and I say, hey, what if we just come I come over to your house for a little bit and we just talk for a few moments about what it means to seek God and wait on God while we're trying to figure this out. And I, I feel like he'd already been telling me what to do. But I wanted to see her. And before I got my truck, there was a woman at the end of the driveway. And all day long, by the way, in between meetings and phone calls, I'm checking statistics on what happens when a 52-year-old male marries a 39-year-old female. Like, you know, what can, what, what can go wrong, right? Like, you know, what kind of diseases can happen? And chromosomal issues and will or will not my kid have a unibrow. <laughs> like I'm looking at all, the, all these stats and stuff, freaking myself out. And, and I see this woman at the end of my driveway and she's smiling at me. And I'm like, I don't even know this woman. And I looked at her and I said, do we know each other? And she said, well, you probably don't know me, but I know you. She said, I used to go to your last church. And when I went, I hated God. I hated church. But at that church, I fell back in love with God. And now I go to a little cute church in Bonnie Bray. I said, yeah, you got a little baby. She goes, yeah, I got two, which was another fear I had. Uh, I got two. And uh, she said, you know, I just moved around the corner from you. And she looked to be about 45. And I go, I'm just curious. Do you mind if I ask, how, how old is your husband? Oh, he's like in his 50s. And then I, 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 I said, well, I'm so happy for you. And the kid was all wrapped up in a blanket like a burrito. And I pulled the... Like the cover's back to look at the kid's face and there was no unibrow. I go, that's a sign. That's gotta be a sign, okay? I got in my truck and I just started cracking up. I was laughing like Abraham who heard he was gonna have Isaac at the age of 100. And I went into her house and she looked really down and she's like, what happened to you today? Because I had a big smile on my face. I said, I don't know, but you know, like 18 hours ago, I had thrown away the key. I was never gonna have kids again. God has made it very, very, very clear to me that I am to marry you and I am to have kids with you. Yeah. And I have, I can only tell you how different my life would have been if I hadn't heard the voice of God. I mean, this week I was, can we show the picture of my kids, my two little ones? 
So this is like last week. Um, they're in that stage where they run, at you, run to you and you come home and they, they're, they're sad when you leave. I was going to work. I was in my truck. And I just took this picture real quick. They came out to say goodbye, Daddy. I would have missed out on that if I hadn't surrendered my will for God's will. My voice for his voice. I would have missed out on so much healing, so much redemption, so much joy. And so Pinewood, you're like family to me. I don't want you to miss out on the voice of God. Don't miss out on the voice of God. His will, his plan for your life is so much better than yours. But you gotta listen. So let's listen right now, shall we? If you would just bow your heads and close your eyes. We're, we're going to practice swapping our voice for his voice. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about an issue you're facing. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your, your vocation. Maybe it's your ministry. I, I don't know what is on your heart, what's weighing on you today. But what I like to do is I like to bring my issues before God and ask for his guidance. So just bring your issue to him right now. And then will you surrender your will for his? Can you get in a posture of surrender? Posture of faith and trust that he, he knows better than you how to navigate this issue. And as you're waiting on him right now, as you're waiting on his voice, just quiet your heart. Just listen for his voice. Now, if he's not speaking to you, there could be a number of reasons. But one of those reasons could be there's sin in your heart. It could just be your flesh is just too strong right now. And you have to trust and give up some more. Wait a little longer. If there's sin that you know of, that you're committing, or just a temptation that's very strong, we just confess that right now. Just agree with God, it's sin. It's not his will. And then repent, which means go in the other direction. Go his direction in that area of your life, not yours. What is he prompting you to do? What's he saying? Now, while those of you who are followers of Jesus are listening, I want to speak to those of you who have yet to surrender your life to Jesus. There's never been a moment where you've crossed the line and go, you know what? I am going to trust Jesus to be my Savior, and I'm going to surrender to him as my Lord. You've never done that. I'll remind you what you read earlier, John 1, 12 through 13. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Maybe this is your day to do that. Maybe you haven't been able to hear because you've yet to give your life to him and trust him to be your savior and lord. Right now, if that's what you desire, just give your life to him. 
Say, Jesus, I receive you right now. I receive your forgiveness, your grace, and your mercy. And I want to follow you as the leader, the Lord of my life. If that prayer expresses your heart, say amen in your heart right now. And your next step of obedience is to get baptized. If you have questions about that, in a few moments you can come down. We have a prayer team up here and they, you can share that you've made that decision. And they would be more than happy to give you direction and help you get baptized. Father, we thank you that you love us and that you are terrible at hide and seek. And that you, you so long for us to seek you and find you. And we'll search for you with all of our heart. And so, Father, uh, we, we pray that this would become a lifestyle. That we develop a lifestyle of swapping out our flesh and our will for yours. That we learn to listen to your voice and follow it. Jesus, we thank you that when we follow you, this is our birthright. This is to be normative. We pray that this church will become a listening church that listens to your voice and follows it. And we pray that as they listen to you and you change their lives and you give them the abundant life that you've promised them, that would overflow throughout Boulder and that we would see a movement of God in this city. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. A few words, we're going to stand right now. We're going to worship. We have a prayer team that's going to come forward. If you need a prayer for anything, you're going through a tough season or you just... Uh, heard the voice of God, you want to celebrate that, or you just gave your life to Jesus, you want to know what next steps to take, please come forward and they would love to pray with you and serve you. Love you guys so much. Thanks for the privilege of being here with you today. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.